Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Zacchaeus is in the crowd, and, and the leper, and Jairus' daughter, who's back from the dead, and Lazarus, who also was back from the dead, is in the crowd. And I'm sure that Mary and Martha were there. The Romans were there, ready to crush any uprising. And the Pharisees, we know from our text, they were there, and the Sadducees were there, probably giving Jesus the big eye, the evil eye, just standing there looking at him like, I'm waiting for you to break the law in some way. So many people are there, and they're crying, they're cheering, they're spreading their clothes, and they're praising God. And the religious folks said in verse 39, they said, Master, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Look at verse 40. Jesus said, nope, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent in the Greek language. If you read your Bible, you know it's there. Not going to do it. If I did, the rocks would cry out. In other words, if Jesus stopped their worship and their praise, the word of God would go right down through their feet into the ground and the rocks would start crying out. You know, I often talk to you about the law of first mention, where something's first mentioned in the Bible that, you know, it defines it all the way through. Well, here we have the law of first mention of a rock concert. Ooh, I, know. I actually like that one a lot. A lot. I'm going to do a book. I mean, I should do a book on bad jokes. I got a lot of them. <laughs> I should do a book on bad. I'll probably sell one guy. I said this second service. I'll do a book on bad jokes. This guy from the back, he goes, it won't sell. I said, get out. But in the life and the ministry of Jesus, listen, you read your Bible, you find this out. Jesus had a lot of contact with rocks. He walked on them. He sat on them. He prayed on them. He wept on them. He bled on them. You got to wonder what the stones would say if they could talk. You know, and I find it interesting that man is the only part of God's creation that refuses to praise God. But they will praise people. Don't y'all understand? Listen to me. Don't you understand that we were created to praise? Now, what you praise, well, that's your choice. I choose to praise the one, the true, the only, the living God. Huh? Am I the only one? But what we were all created to praise people, man, today, especially the day in which we're living in, people, we're looking for something to worship. I mean, we'll worship athletes, TV stars, people in the music industry. That's that's why everybody wants to be in the music industry. If they can get just one hit, they will make millions and millions of dollars, and people will praise them. People praise people in the music industry. I mean, you know, you think of, you know, Rihanna, 
Beyonce, Ursher, <laughs> Maroon 5, Daughtry. See, y'all think the pastor's out of touch. I know what's going on. See, I know what's, y'all think I'm all out of touch with y'all because I'm a pastor and I just sit in my office and glow. <laughs> well, I do glow, but I still know what's going on. And, you know, we just worship these people. I mean, you think about it. Man, if Beyonce walked in here right now and sat on the front row, y'all would freak out. Folks would be going, oh, my God, Beyonce, that's Beyonce. You wouldn't even hear I'm talking about Jesus' blood. He bled on the rocks. He bled for you. He died for you. And y'all thinking, Beyonce on the front row. Beyonce on the front row. People go, that's why I don't go to concerts. I don't go to concerts because people lose their ever-loving mind at a concert. Now, you know you lost your mind when you lose your ever-loving mind. They go crazy. People be acting crazy at a concert because they want to work. Ah, crying and screaming and yelling. And I don't go to concerts because I don't want to get in the flesh. I mean, really. Because if I go to a concert and, 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 and people start screaming and hollering and somebody... Hit me, because you're going to get hit if you get, they, people get crazy. You, you're going to get hit if you hit me. I told y'all, I, I glow. I, if you hit me, I might speak in tongues. And then again, I might hit you upside your fat head. I don't know. It just depends on what's going on at the moment, how I'm feeling. But I don't know. I just don't know. I don't even bother with that stuff. People will worship something. And people are not embarrassed to act like a Oh, ah, yes, reaching out, yeah, ah, cry, ah, I can't believe it, look my way. <laughs> Wait, if there's like 30,000 people in the room, what do you mean they looked your way? They had to look somewhere. <laughs> ah, ah, yeah. <laughs> people are crazy. And they're not embarrassed when we come to church. Oh, man, now, no, wait a minute now. We don't, we don't get too, uh, now, we don't lift up. We don't get, too, don't get too excited about worship. It's a shame. Honestly, it is a shame. I've said this a thousand times. Here's a thousand and one. It is a shame that the worship leader has to say, let's worship the Lord. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. To get, to get excited about Jesus. Listen, Jesus has been good to us. Why should anybody, I'm going to wait. Why should anybody have to encourage you to worship God? Let me tell you something. I come in, I hear the music, I worship the Lord. I do not need the band to be on point. I don't need the band to play every note right. Boy, they sure were hot today. And by the way, they were hot today. But, but, but they sure were. And that's a blessing. And I'm, don't misunderstand me. I like things done well. I'm happy they were good. Great. Praise the Lord. Awesome. But if they were messing up and things weren't going right, let me tell you something. Pastor Rodney will still worship the Lord because I worship the Lord for who he is, not what he gives. I worship for who he is, not what he gives. And if somebody was up here, honestly, I don't need all this. I don't. I really don't. In India, when I'm preaching in churches in India, we don't have all this. We have maybe some guy on, on a conga. Depends. If it's a big church, you might have maybe a keyboard, a microphone, and maybe, um, maybe a bass guitar. Maybe. That's a big church. But in most of the churches I preach at, all they have is some congas and maybe a tambourine. 
and we worship the Lord. I've learned, listen, if, if, if somebody was up here playing a washboard and spoons, Pastor Rodney can worship the Lord. And we all need to be and never be embarrassed. The Bible says in Psalm 150, verse 6, it says, let everything, somebody say it with me, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The Bible has a lot to say about even creation praising God. The trees, do you understand when the trees blow and you hear that in the morning, the trees are doing what they were created to do. They are worshiping the Lord. The hills, the oceans, the rivers, the mountains, the valleys, the cattle, and every creeping thing and every bird of all description praises God. Psalm 96, verse 11 and 12, you write it down. Psalm 148, verse 7 through 14, you write it down. The only created thing that has a hard time praising God is man. Don't let rocks do something that God has created you to do. Can the church say amen? Don't let rocks do that. Look at verse 41. We got to come in for a landing here. Look at verse 41. If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at him. Now, as he drew near the city and, 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 he, and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because, here's why, you did not know the time of your visitation. So as Jesus saw the city of Jerusalem, the Bible said he began to weep. In the Greek language, this word weep, if you're taking notes, is a word convulse. He was convulsing and sobbing. And he said, if you had known in this your day the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. You see, Jesus is brokenhearted because he's looking down. Listen to me. He's looking down through the quarters of time in the spirit to the time of A.D. 70 when he sees, he can see in the spirit, the Roman general Titus Vespasian. Surrounding the city of Jerusalem, Titus and his soldiers destroyed the city of Jerusalem and burned the temple. And as you know, you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, the temple had a lot of gold in it. So they began to fire arrows, fiery arrows into the temple, began to burn the temple and melt all the gold. And when that happened, all the gold began to melt between the rocks and the bricks. And then the soldiers went and brick by brick, stone by stone, took the temple down and scraped all of the gold. And Jesus could see that in the spirit. So Jesus could see that people are crying and weeping and bodies in the street and blood is running in the gutters. And Jesus said, you should have been aware of this particular day, the day of your visitation when the Messiah would come riding in Jerusalem. Jesus is brokenhearted. Listen at this. Jesus is brokenhearted because they didn't know their Bibles. What do you mean, Rodney? Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And you write that down, look it up in your own time, but it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, and shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Watch this. Lowly and riding on a donkey. 
If they had known this scripture, they would have known that this man riding on the donkey, coming into Jerusalem, is anybody listening? Coming into Jerusalem is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and that must be the Messiah. They should have also known, because of a very remarkable scripture, write it down, Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. It says, Know therefore and understand. That from the going forth of the command to the restore and to rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince, until the Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troubled times. Daniel is talking about March fourteenth, four forty-five B.C., when King Artaxerxes gave the command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. You'll find this in Nebuchadnezzar. Pardon me, in Nehemiah chapter two. You'll find this story when, when uh, King Artaxerxes gave the command to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, if you're using the Jewish calendar, listen to me close. If you're using the Jewish calendar, a Jewish lunar calendar, uh, if you hit your clicker on March 14th, 445 B.C., and you click 173,880 days, that will bring you to April 6th. 32 AD, April 6, 32 AD is the day that we have right here in our scriptures with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They should have known the scriptures. And that is why they missed their day of visitation. They should have known Zechariah chapter 9. And when they saw this man coming in on a donkey, uh, and they should have said, well, Zechariah 9.9 says that the Messiah is going to come in on a donkey. Hmm, that must be the Messiah. Or Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. Well, from the restoring of the temple and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, 173,880 days later, April 6, 32 AD, this is the Messiah. They should have known it back then, and they still don't know it today because they're blinded. Because they've hardened their hearts now. And they should have known the scriptures. Jesus said, if you would have only known your day of visitation. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. If you'd only known your day of visitation and the things that make for your peace, but you did not. And so destruction is Ahead, Look at verse 45. Then he went in the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house, watch this, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it, what saints, a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the priest, the chief priest and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear. Now, you might want to write this down. Very important and look it up in your own time. Mark chapter 11, verse 11 tells us after he talked about their destruction, he went into the temple, looked around, and it was getting late. And then he went out to Bethany. And I'm telling you this because I don't want you to think that Jesus had a bad day or he was in a bad mood or he just kind of freaked out and started tossing over the tables. No, he came in, he looked around, he went to sleep, and the next day he went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it. And isn't it very interesting? Notice it says, it is written, look at it again in verse 46, my house. Jesus is Owning the temple. Who owns the temple? 
God. No man owns the temple. But here Jesus is making it clear, I am God. I own the temple. My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, here's the scene. The court of the Gentiles in the temple area is a huge area. And this is where the nations were allowed to come and pray. The Jews were coming from all over the known world to celebrate the feast. And many times it was difficult to travel with your sacrifice. And when they got to Jerusalem, they had to uh, many times buy a sacrifice and they had to exchange money because the Jews thought it was blasphemous to use money in the temple precincts, to use other money in the temple precincts. So they had to exchange money. So out of consideration, they set up a foreign exchange money booth and people would get temple shekels and buy their sacrifices and then go worship. But then after some time, this all became a scam. Because the money changers paid off the priest. So the priest would examine your sacrifice. Say you came from a long way and you did bring your sacrifice. The priest would examine your sacrifice and he'd go, he'd inspect it because every sacrifice had to be inspected by the priest. So he would inspect your sacrifice. He'd say, oh, no, see, there, there's a blemish right there. You see that? He might even take a little, a little Sharpie and put a little dot right there. And say, oh, you see, there's a, little, there's a little blemish right there. There's a spot or a blemish. Oh, oy vey, oy vey, we can't use this. We can't use this sheep. You'll have to buy another one. And we just happen to be selling some sheep over here at an exorbitant price. But because you live so far and you have to offer and you have to sacrifice, you had to go and buy those sheep at exorbitant rates. They would also exchange money at extremely high exchange rates. And Jesus calls it, it became a den of thieves. And in this area, listen to me close, in this area where they should have been worshiping and praying, it became a place of praying and paying. Where they should have been worshiping and praying, it became a place of praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, and paying. It's almost like, for example, if you come to church and you want to give money and I say, oh, you know, or somebody tells you, they say, oh, we're sorry, we can't, uh, we can't take your money. It, it has uh, heathen cooties on it. And, uh, but, but we would direct your attention to the patio where we have uh, money changers who will change your money for Calvary bucks. And, and, and we, need your, we need to charge you in a very high, extreme, exorbitant rate for the Calvary bucks, and the interest will go into the pastor's pockets. It would be like that. That's sad. And that's what Jesus is upset about. And, and, and that's what you should be upset about. And that's what I'm upset about, is people who take advantage of God's people. You know, you turn on the TV. The day you turn on Christian television, I, I watch Christian TV all the time. I watch preachers all the time because there's nothing really on TV, to tell you the truth, that for me is almost becoming noise, background noise when I'm in the house. And, and then there's nothing on TV. All this stuff that's on TV is junk. You know, people either killing each other or, 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 or having sex outside of marriage and doing things that are ungodly, and there's never any consequences to any of their uh, promiscuity. So I don't watch all that stuff. I don't have time to watch all that stuff. You know, I do, I do watch Operation Repo. But um, <laughs> that's too vulnerable, isn't it? But I ain't got time. But I watch all these TV preachers, 
And, 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 you know, and every time you turn on the TV, have you noticed, is it just me? There's, uh, there's an, another telethon. There's another telethon begging for money. And they've got all these little catchphrases now. We always, uh, we, here's one. It's har- harvest time. It's seed time and harvest. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's seed time. Oh, raise your hand nice and high. Don't, don't, don't put it up high. There you go. All right. Oh, it's seed time and harvest. Sow a seed for your greed. I mean, for your need. <laughs> Sow a seed for your need. And it's, and you know, and if you, you know, you want prayer, every sermon we hear on TV is about money. Some of y'all know I'm not lying. It's about money and prosperity and blessings and favor. Every sermon you hear, money, prosperity, blessings, and favor. Hello, there is more in the Bible than just money, prosperity, blessings, and favor. Don't you know? And it all seems like all the sermons we hear is all directed on what God gives you. Because it's all about you. Listen, it ain't all about you. It's all about him. It ain't all about you. But all we're hearing is that it's all about you. And don't you know, listen, non-believers see right through this stuff. And it turns them off from coming to Christ. Listen, God is not impressed with your wallet. He is worried about your soul. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem to die a brutal death and hang on the cross and pay the ultimate price for you because you are expensive. You're expensive. His blood, there's no price to put on his blood. You are expensive. And I hope that we would allow Jesus to come into our house, like he went into the temple, to come into our hearts and to turn over some tables in our hearts. You know, he loves you. He's not angry with you. He's concerned for you. But there are things in your life that he needs to turn the tables over on and has got to go. There are some people in your life that they got to go. Somebody say amen. They got to go. They're bad for you. And I'm thankful that God cares enough to turn over a few tables in our hearts. This is a day of cheers and tears. And I wonder, is Jesus still weeping over the so many people who have missed their day of visitation? And how different, think about it like this, and I come in for a landing right here. How different would Israel's life be? had been if they had received their day of visitation? How different would your life be if you recognized your day of visitation? What do you mean, Rodney? Well, I'm talking about the day that he knocks on the door of your heart and he asks us to come in. You know, I believe there's a time and a moment and a day in every person's life that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he wants to visit And every man has a time when you know you must respond to Jesus. Every man has a day of visitation. And as the Bible tells us, today is the day of salvation, or today is the day of your visitation. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then he's knocking at the door of your heart. And he wants to come in. And if you don't allow him to come in, you don't receive him as Lord and Savior, then what he will see in your life as well is desolation, just like he saw in Israel. 
And you can get to the point where he's knocking and knocking and knocking, and you get to the point where you don't open the door, your heart becomes so hard that after a while you stop hearing him knocking. And that's sad, and that's dangerous. And I hope that you, when you feel that knocking in your heart, that you would open the door and let Jesus come in. Because God wants to bless you. Oh, I believe in prosperity. Don't get me wrong. And I believe that we are blessed and highly favored of God. Amen. And I believe that God takes care of his people. I don't think that's what the whole Bible's about. But I believe God loves us and he will take care of us. But in order for him to have that place in your life where he can take care of you, you got to have that day of visitation. And you got to ask Jesus to come into your heart. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.